0: We're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game.
1: Yes, sir! Good morning, my people. Good morning everybody. Stephen Langford with you, 957 the game. Leading up until six o'clock is the morning roast will take you until ten. Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky is back in studio with Bonte Hill today. Hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. It was it was a fun one for me. You know, we had the Giants and the Dodgers in that series, and uh, they had that game yesterday against the Colorado Rockies, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, Also got some other football talk that I want to get into later on in the program. But, you know, I was convinced that after that Dodgers game on Saturday, because watch the entire one on Friday, right? Watch it from start to finish on the TV, and we know how that ended with, Trey Turner leading Will Smith off of first base so that Buster Posey would be safe at first, bringing in the winning run, which was just an unbelievable ending to a game. I mean, the Giants and the Dodgers, I need that to be a playoff series. I just do. That's my number one series, if there's going to be any, because that conversation is going to be happening uh, down the line this month. It's going to be... Who do you want to see the Giants face in the playoffs? What is going to be the one matchup for you? And I can already tell you that Giants-Dodgers is going to be the one for me. But I went to the game on Saturday, and they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. I was I, I, I was chilling in the third deck. You know, Julio Urias was going. Jay Jackson ended up getting the start because they were bullpenning twice in a row uh, against the Dodgers. But man, that game on Sat or that game on Saturday was just not pretty. And I convinced myself that I was bad luck. I convinced myself that I should not watch at all the next day because I wanted some good mojo to happen, and I'm not a superstitious person, only a little-stitious, but I didn't decide to watch the first couple of innings of the Giants and Dodgers on Sunday just because I didn't feel like I should have watched. Then what do you know? Walker Bueller, who's just been dominating the Giants for the entirety of the season, finally caves and gives up those six runs, and he only lasts three innings. And it got to the point where Dave Roberts kept him batting in the in the top of the third. So you're thinking, all right, he's going to be out pitching, or excuse me, at the top of the fourth, all right, he's going to be out pitching in the bottom of the fourth. But no, Walker Bueller doesn't end up pitching. He takes him out of the game, and then the, uh, then the Dodgers go to their bullpen. We know what happens. A little later on, it got a little dicey, and I will get to the bullpen conversation in, uh, in in just a moment. But overall, on the weekend, we were saying that if the Giants aren't in first place, then you can kiss those playoff hopes goodbye. You're at least, at least the divisional round. The wild card obviously is still in play. I'm still actually, I'm, I'm still. I'm still going back and forth on whether I actually call the wild card game the playoffs or not because it feels like it's more like the play-in game with the NBA. I don't know whether to call that a playoff game or not because you're not playing in a multi-game series. You're playing in a one-game playoff so that you can actually get into the real playoffs. So I don't know what to even call it. But nevertheless... They are here today, one game up of the L.A. Dodgers in the National League West at 88-50 and 50 on the season. And yesterday, man, they got in at 1.30. They got in at 1.30 a.m. the day before in Colorado as they just played four straight home games against the Brewers, then three against the Dodgers, and Darren Ruff starts, at the, starts off the game doing this.
0: Ruff drills that one down the left field line, and it is gone! Darren Ruff with a leadoff homer to start the game. 1-0 one nothing, Giants in an 0-2 count, is 15th of the year.
1: Credit to NBC Sports Bay Area, and the Giants just didn't stop. Overall, they won that game 10-5, to but it was pretty much over uh, by the time the fifth inning rolled around. And then Tyra Estrada messed around and got a couple of home runs on this game. And, you know, I got to say this before we do get to a couple of the larger points from the weekend for the Giants. But I will say this. Yesterday, watching Tyro Estrada, that is something where I'm looking at, I'm watching what he's doing, and I'm thinking, that guy's just... This guy's just in the zone, especially with that second home run that he hit, where he just left him a hanging breaking ball. It was a low and inside breaking ball, and he was still managed to turn. He still managed to turn around on it and absolutely crush it. He knew that that pitch was coming, and he timed it perfectly, and he crushed it to left. It's just that type of zone you're seeing. I learned it in high school back in senior year. They called it the, in sports psychology class, Mr. Jackson. He's actually, his name is actually Jay Jackson, kind of like the reliever for the Giants. But he called it the OPL, the optimum performance level. And that's where you're just in such a, you have such tunnel vision. You don't think about anything else except being totally in the moment. No outside noise can even distract you from what's going on. And that's what Tyro Estrada was in yesterday. He was in that OPL. And you could tell. And you've seen that with multiple guys on the Giants throughout the season. You know, Buster Posey, even though he's cooled off, but really for a couple of months it felt like there was no pitcher that could get anything by him. Brandon Crawford, before, you know, he went into a little bit of a slump uh, for the past week. At least he picked it up yesterday uh, getting that RBI. But um, Brandon Crawford, another guy who has been in that uh, OPL type of uh, type of a mindset for a majority of the season. You know, Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant. Evan Longoria was in that was in that zone really before he got hurt. He was hitting the ball just as hard as he'd been hitting it uh, on a consistent basis, at least since StatCast had uh, tracked that stuff since 2015. But that's what it looked like with Tyra Westrata yesterday, and that's what we need to see going forward. You know, if I had to give you two keys... Uh, go in the, for the rest of this season if they want to keep this lead within the National League West. Number one is the lineup's got to hit. The lineup hasn't been uh, been as consistent as we've wanted it to be as of late. You know these past two games were an outlier, but the week before that, the entire series really against the Brewers. Those first couple of games against the uh, the against the Dodgers before Sunday's matchup, Um, you know there are a couple of games here and there, you know with the with the Mets and then a couple with the A's, but being that consistent, powerful lineup that we know that that has been their identity through the season, we haven't really seen that for the past couple of weeks, and that's why I think question marks have started to rise with the with this team. But for the rest of September, need to see that lineup consistently hitting. And Gabe Kapler spoke to this yesterday, actually. And here's what he had to say after the game regarding the lineup and the fact that these past two games could be some way to get their confidence back. This group came ready to play today. And obviously, late flight last night, get in at
0: 1.30 in the morning. You know, the whole crew has a very, very quick turnaround. And there's some tired eyes this morning. Uh, these guys got ramped up well. Uh, they got prepared and ready to, to hit, obviously, from the first pitch of the game with Darren Ruff leading it off the way he did. He's been you know, so clutch at the top of the lineup for us. Maybe clutch isn't the right word, but prepared and ready, uh, ready to strike immediately. And then and our guys just had quality throughout the day. Um, as, as difficult it is to pitch in this environment for our guys, it's difficult for them as well. Um, and although Freeland was was throwing strikes, we were doing a nice job of, of getting pitches to hit and driving those pitches.
1: So you had that. And, and, and they got to him yesterday. Looked really good against Kyle Freeland and Walker Bueller, both on Sunday and Monday. But that's going to be my number one, is just staying consistent through the rest of the season. Number two is the defense needs to be a lot cleaner. The Giants had another couple of errors yesterday. There was that scary moment in the bottom of the seventh when Darren Ruff (laughs) had run into Crawford and it's just like, don't let this happen again. Please. Why? Don't, Don't let another collision because we know what happened. Excuse me, it was with Buster Posey, not Brandon Crawford, but please don't let what happened between Evan Longoria and Brandon Crawford ever happen again where they collided between short and third when they were going for a ball um, that when they were both in the defensive shift and they collided and Evan Longoria was out for the foreseeable future Darren Ruff and Buster Posey almost had that moment yesterday and one thing that I do think um, from yesterday that I did uh, that I did take away is just if you want that crisper defense, man, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how much longer you can keep. Alex Dickerson starting over Stephen Duggar over in left field. Stephen Duggar before he got sent down to Triple A, you know he'd cooled off from the hot start that he'd had to the season. I mean he was batting over three hundred uh, leading up to the time where he, uh, it, you know he started going a little bit of a slump, and then he was starting to hit somewhere between two seventy five and two eighty. Then he ended up getting sent down just because after they made that trade for Chris Bryant, there really aren't many roster spots to work with. But he is easily your best outfielder and he's just so quick, the jump that he has, and if you want to play some crisper defense, I think his back can pick it up as well. Man, I wouldn't be surprised, I don't know how much longer uh, Alex Dickerson is going to be starting in left field if Steven Duggar has another day like he had yesterday, where he was doing it with the bat as well, uh, going two for five. Now, granted, he had four guys left on base in in those at-bats, but still, I wouldn't be surprised if they do end up starting him over Alex Dickerson, just purely for the defense. But also... The bullpen. That's going to be my third thing to watch for the rest of this year. Watching the lineup to see if it stay consistent. Watching the defense and see how if they, if they play any crisper, uh, de- any of that crisp defense that we've seen for the past season um, that we really haven't seen these past couple of weeks. But also, number three, is how they handle the bullpen. Because yesterday, you didn't really see it. Kevin Gosman had a great start. Going seven straw give it up five hits, nine strikeouts. Playing in Colorado in front of the in front of his family for the first time, which is kind of crazy. I think he said he started four games over there at Coors Field, but his family's never been able to watch him play. You know, he was obviously supposed to play in the All Star game, but that didn't uh, that didn't work out. But yesterday, he had a really good start, and he had a big lead. By the time he was done after seven innings. So you had Caleb Barriger, John Brebbia, then you had Dominic Leone to close things out. That's not going to be your normal bullpen lineup, so to speak. Your normal bullpen rotation. So I'm looking at the game from the day before. I'm looking at Sunday's game. And... Camilo Doval comes in with the bases loaded after Jose Quintana uh, gets the bases loaded. Camilo Doval comes in to get the last out with two outs. And then he uh, walks a player home. Then he ends up striking out Chris Taylor with that 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Then coming in for him was Tony Watson, who didn't give up any runs. Tyler Rogers, who got through his inning clean. And then Jake McGee comes in. Jake McGee comes in, and it gets a little hairy there. In the final innings, and I think toward this last stretch of September, I don't know how much more run Jake McGee is going to get. I don't know how many more opportunities you're going to be giving him. I mean, we need to see a close game again. We need to see the Giants in one of these one-run, two-run deficit games where you need the closer to come in the clutch. But as time goes on, I think there are going to be some question marks around whether Jake McGee can be their closer for the playoffs exclusively, or whether, the, whether they'll use a platoon based on the matchup. Because Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee, it seems like those two guys are your setup and closer, and that's how we've been, uh, respectively, and that's how we've been lining it up. But with Camilo Dovall coming in, giving you something completely different, giving you a 99-mile-an-hour fastball that he can paint on the black while also giving you a, a breaking ball to go along with it that takes 15 miles an hour off of his pitches... I think there's going to be some changes made if, going forward for the rest of the season, Jake McGee has one of those outings like he had on Sunday where he was just putting runners on base and it just uh, wasn't working out. I mean, obviously, some errors went along, too, and didn't go his way. But, um, you know, he, he hadn't done earned run in that time, but still... I think there's going to be some question marks surrounding Jake McGee for the remainder of September going into October by the time the Giants are going to the playoffs. But 888 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But I want to know from you, right now, it looks like the, Gi- the Giants are in a pretty good spot to win the National League West. And for all we know, it could come down to the last series uh, at the end of September when the Giants are facing the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are facing the Padres and then the Brewers. Those are the final six games of the season for the Dodgers. So I want to know from you at 888 at the text line or the phone number, what's your expectation for the Giants uh, toward the playoffs? Are you thinking championship series are you thinking nlds and that's it what has this team shown you in this past week because this has been the most up and down week that they've had so far this season i want to know from you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's the text line in the phone number would you be surprised if they make it out of the nlds assuming that they make it there triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero that's the text line in the phone number steven like for dinner with you 95 seven the game <sighs>
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. 888-957-9570. 888 9570 That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. For the next segment here, want to still talk some Giants, and I want to know from you at the phone line or the text line. What would your expectation level be for the Giants in the playoffs? Going to have this conversation now. We'll go game by game and have a little breakdown as we go out go throughout the week. And of course, we got—I mean—the first weekend of the NFL coming along, and I can't wait for that. We had college football this past weekend, and a lot of uh, a lot of entertaining games, a lot of guys to keep an eye on. I was trying to watch Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma play against Tulane, and um, it was an interesting game at first, and then. <laughs> Tulane started to come back. Then it got very interesting. Bryce Young, quarterback for Alabama, playing against Miami. You had UCLA. Whew. It was a good. It was a. It was a good weekend for college football. But that made me all the more excited for the NFL. So we'll be talking about that throughout the week uh, for the next few days. But the Giants are 88 and 50 right now. I'll give you my. My way too early playoff prediction, my playoff answer, my answer to that question, but man, watching the Giants and how they played against these Dodgers for the entirety of the season, the way that they looked against the Brewers... Man, if, if, if they get to the NLDS and they face the Dodgers, I almost see them having more of a chance of making it to the NLCS than I would if they were playing the Brewers. If they were playing the Brewers... The Brewers seemed like a more well-rounded team uh, that they were playing throughout the week. Now, maybe that's just some bias, and the Dodgers did look really good. And, you know, overall, I mean, the fact that they didn't pitch Serzer because he had a hamstring issue, then he goes out yesterday and throws 13 Ks. um, So he was doing just fine and only gave up one one unearned, unearned run. Excuse me. Good Lord, I can't get through that. But, man... I'd be more scared of the Brewers than I would be of the Dodgers, but it's the way that it looked this past week and the way that they performed against the Rockies, I hope that this is some sort of confidence builder, what they've done for the past couple of days, the way that they uh, knocked around Walker Buehler and the way that they just came out the gate firing against Kyler Freeland yesterday over there in Colorado at Coors Field. But, man... I'd be a little nervous already in the NLDS. Now, look, I think they could get that far um, to the NLDS, but after that, I can't really say with conviction, yes, they're going to win whichever series they go to in five games. I just don't know if I could say that. A lot of it hinges upon uh, quite a few things for the rest of September. I already talked about it in the first segment, but one, it's whether the lineup stays consistent doing what they've done the past couple of days, because you really haven't seen them string together a few games in a row where their offense was just exploding. We haven't really seen that. It's been a little bit of the bullpen keeping them in these games. It's been getting some timely home runs, and we'll get to these home run records in in just a second. But they haven't consistently just been putting double-digit hits up on the scoreboard yesterday, getting 15 hits of their own and just... Hitting home run after home run after home run. I mean, they had four home runs in this game. After all, so it's not like they weren't hitting with some power either. Um, Tyro Estrada getting two of them. But I just want to see them for the rest of the September. Rest of September. Show that consistency batting. That'd be number one. Number two. If Kevin Gosman continues to go the way that he continues to deal the way that he was dealing there. Di Sclafani. Sclafani, I haven't even mentioned Di yet, that start that he had against the Dodgers, it was his best start of the season, they absolutely needed him in that spot. And he put up just a great number, going sixteen innings strong, only give it up two hits, didn't even give up a run, and gave up five strikeouts. That's far different from what we've been seeing for the past season. I mean, you remember that start where he gave up tendered runs to the Dodgers? But if Kevin Gosman and Dee Sclafani can continue to show throughout this September an ele- elevated level of play, along with Logan Webb as he keeps it going and then maybe the bullpen and the defense figure it out, I could change my mind. But, after what I saw from the past week, and also from the weekend, and yesterday the defense didn't look that much better, and the day before that, even though they were up big, part of the reason why Jake McGee was getting into a little bit of hot water was because of trouble with defense uh, for the Giants. So, if all of those things come together, I could sway it a little bit. But... As of right now, I mean, it seems like they could get to the NLDS. I don't know how much farther they can go after that. I can't say with any conviction. Yeah, this is a World Series type of team because they've gotten out of a lot of these games these past few, this past couple of weeks. You know, there's been a lot of comebacks, resiliency. You know, resilient SF. They're living by that, and I, I really think it's played itself. I, I think it's uh, come to fruition, but. Man, there's a lot that has to go right for the rest of September that can truly convince me that this is a team that can go deep into the playoffs. You know that game yesterday. I will say this: I, I, I didn't expect them to just start hitting home runs as soon as they landed over in Coors Field. You heard Gabe Kapler in that last in that last segment, Gabe Kapler saying, "Look, we got in at 1:30 a.m." These guys are tired. We've got some tired eyes around this dugout. Yet they were ready to play, and I was surprised at just how early they got to Kyle Freeland there in Colorado. We'll see what they do again um, with uh, with a night's sleep over there in, in uh, against Colorado because they got two more games there. Then they'll have the much needed day off. Then they're against the Chicago Cubs, which is going to be a big series as well, just to dominate uh, some of these younger teams from the nine two, or excuse me, not younger, but the lesser teams from the nine two five. Gotta stay healthy. Gotta stay healthy. And also from the 707, it's World Series or bust. So, look, I'm not saying that uh, my expectation level is, yeah, I'll be okay with the season if they just make it to the National League Division Series. I will say that if they do end up making it to the NLDS, depending on who they're playing, whether it's the Dodgers or the Brewers, seeing how that series plays out, and, you know, they lose a close one, they lose in five games then i could look at this season and think all right that's 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 that i can manage that i can work with that but if they somehow squander this one game lead in the NL west for the next month if they somehow squander that and let the and let the dodgers go straight to the NLDS and they have to play in the wild card game and they end up losing that wild card game against whoever they're going to play. I mean, the, the, this wildcard matchup is really up in the air as of right now, but I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying it'd be, uh, uh, you know, it, that they if they make it to the NLDS, then yeah, that's good enough. It just depends how that series goes. But look, it was tough this past week. You know, covering this team, going against the Brewers, and then seeing them this weekend against the Dodgers, those first couple of games on Friday and Saturday – I was on the fence a little bit, even though they won Friday's game and they had to do it in extras based off of a freak error play that really wouldn't happen. Maybe if you had someone different playing first base, it was Will Smith's first time playing first base in a professional or even college game. He hadn't played since high school uh, from that game on Friday night, if you uh, if you didn't know that. But, man, it, they were playing against some good teams in the past week. And against those good teams, it seemed like the Brewers and the Dodgers were a little more dominant. From the 415, World Series are bust, this team was supposed to suck. Does anybody remember the preseason predictions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 73.5 games was the over-under. I hope you took the over. But there is one thing I will remember this season by, if anything, right? Because it's just such a it's just such a black-and-white answer just to say, oh, yeah, this season was a disappointment or it was a success. It's just, you know, it's one or the other. I don't want to go with just that because I do believe it's a little more nuanced than that. But I I, I do think that the season for me, when I'm going to look back on it, and, you know, if they do end up losing the wild card, then I'm not going to look back too fondly. However, I will remember this crazy season of home runs that they've had. Because I, I I need to acknowledge that right now they're at 206, which is the most in the National League, second to the Blue Jays who have 210 right now. So they're they've been neck and neck with Toronto as far as the team's home run race throughout the entirety of the season. But the fact that they have 206 right now, the highest team total that they've ever had was in 2001 with that you know with that one guy named Barry Bonds. Uh, in 2001 they hit 235 as a team. 206 now, you think that they can hit 29, 30 home runs for the rest of the season and make it to 236? <laughs> Getting four home runs yesterday and playing two more games in course Field? Yeah. Yeah, I think the Giants can do that. I think they could do that, and the fact that they've had 10 guys that have hit double-digit home runs the first time that it's happened in franchise history, if I do look back on this season, the you know, depending on how they work out in the playoffs, the other thing that I'm going to look at is just this onslaught of home runs that they've had, and that no one expected them to do that, because the home run's been helping them a ton this year, and granted, that's not how you want your team to run. You don't want them to live and die by the home run, but... It's still, it's so damn impressive seeing those numbers every single time they pop up. Every single time. Tacking on four more again yesterday. Alright, five seven nine five seven zero. that's the text line and the phone number. I want to know from you, if you're a 49er fan, because I'm going to go through these national riders and what their predictions are for the season, because we're finally starting to get the the national guys from ESPN, like Mike Clay from The Athletic, Mike Sando, who covers the NFL, Peter King, who wrote his Monday morning quarterback, Cynthia Freeland, who does a great job for the NFL Network. They all have their predictions, and I want to know from you at 888 at the text line to the phone number, if you're a 49er fan... Would you rather be an underdog in the national media's eyes or would you rather give them the respect that you think they deserve specifically based on where they're predicting the 49ers to be? I want to know from you at triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Would you rather be the underdog, have that chip on your shoulder going into the season or would you rather your team get that respect that you feel that they deserve which is, which I'm going to assume from you, is atop the NFC West standings. I want to know from you at 888 That's the text line and the phone number. We'll get into all the details of why I'm asking that next. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Listen to the Morning Roast weekdays between 7 and 8 a.m., so today between 7 and 8 a.m., and be the third caller for the chance to win a four-pack of two-day, one-park-per-day tickets to the Disneyland Resort. The spell is cast. Halloween time is back at the Disneyland Resort, and 95.7 The Game wants to give you a chance to get in on the magic. Happy Hauntings are returning to both Disney's California Adventure Park and Disneyland Park between now through October 31st. Don't miss the Spellabration. Offering subject to capacity, restrictions, and change without notice. Get all the details at 957thegame.com. You know, everyone was talking about. So 7 and 8 a.m. Remember that. Everyone was talking about Kanye and Drake. You know, Donda versus Certified Lover Boy. It's Kanye versus Drake. Drake, Kanye. Well, I'm just sitting here waiting for Silk Sonic to come out with an album. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack. Need that to happen. Right now. I need need them to give me something. I need more than two songs. Can't wait till that actually happens. And that was Anderson Pack, by the way, which was the bumper music coming back. But I need Silk Sonic to come out with something new. You know, Kanye and Drake, it's been going on for the last 20 years. It feels like, well, not 20. Maybe that's a little late. But, you know, it's been going on for so long. It feels like it's just, it's exhausting. It's fatiguing. And I'm tired of it. I'm a, I'm annoyed with the conversations that we're always having about it. Anyway, I can't wait for Silk Sonic. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. You know, I asked the question before the before the break, and I was thinking about it as the commercials were playing. But I asked the question before: Would you rather be an underdog? Would you rather the national media gives you? some disrespect, so to speak, just because their predictions have come out. And I've got quite a few here that I do want to get to, which I do think um, you'd be very interested in hearing, just to hear how national people around the league are, are, are talking about the 49ers this season. But I do wonder here, what... I guess the question would be instead of asking like, would you rather be an underdog in the national media's eyes? I guess the question that I should ask going into this one is, you know, what would be a disrespectful prediction to you? Would it be not making the NFC West? Would it be not being a playoff contending team? I mean, is just a wild card birth a a, a disrespect? to you as a 49er fan of what you think the team can do this season. What is that uh, What is that floor there, I guess would be the, the question. What is that floor? Would it be, look, if they don't think that this team can at least make the playoffs, then that's some disrespect in the predictions. They're clearly not doing their homework on what this team has been doing. Or is it at the point where you're thinking, you know, if they're if, if they say that we're not a if, if they say that we can't even win the NFC West, then I'm out. Like what do you think? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero, that's the text line or the phone number if you want to weigh in because we got quite a few uh, predictions here. And and by the way, before we get to all of those uh, from the national media, because we got some from Mike Sando of The Athletic. We got Peter King, who wrote his Monday morning quarterback piece yesterday on Labor Day. We got Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network and ESPN did their annual projections, which personally I just love, and ESPN's is going to be the one that you'll want to hear. Trust me on that, because if you're a 49er fan, I think you'd be very interested in what they'd have to do there. But they signed Josh Norman over the weekend. And this one is fascinating to me, because Emmanuel Mosley, for one, didn't practice yesterday with a hamstring injury. They were back at practice. The big news was Trey Lance. The splint was off of his finger, although he still needs a little more time to prepare. And Jimmy Garoppolo, it's officially official. Jimmy Garoppolo is the starter come week one. But one thing that kind of got swept under and one thing that not really a lot of people haven't talked about enough is just this injury to Emmanuel Mosley and the fact that they signed Josh Norman earlier on that day. Now, I think that this is a good signing for them. I think they need depth at cornerback anywhere that they can get it. And you'll see here from a lot of these predictions that you'll see, it's based off of uh, what they think will go wrong for the year. And the secondary isn't exactly, uh, it's not exactly what everyone's high on. But that signing for Josh Norman, I'm very curious to see how that goes down. Because I think his story is fascinating. You know, comes up from college, not very well known. I believe he went to Coastal Carolina and let me just double check his draft spot. I totally forgot to get that draft round. Uh, he was drafted in the fifth round in twenty twelve. Was with the Panthers, and you know he was this trash talking, fun cornerback who was great. And I think the NFL can really do with some players like that. Not only players who talk, but players who back it up, and also they're very smart with their talk. Very smart with their trash talk, and I like that about I like that about Norman. Then he got the big dea- the big money deal, went over to Washington, and it just didn't pan out the same way that it did over in Carolina. It wasn't the it, it wasn't the same fit over there, and in Washington, it just didn't work out. Goes to Buffalo, and then really the last we'd heard from Josh Norman is well, not really heard. I'd say more seen is that gif of Derrick Henry giving him the stiff arm and just carrying him over into uh, another dimension, <laughs> essentially. And that's what you point, you pinpointed, and you can tell, like, oh, this could be the end of this dude. This could be the last that we hear from Josh Norman. But instead, he's coming to the 49ers, and he's going to be a good, I-, I think, reclamation project for the team someone who has shown the capability now i'm not going to act like i've seen every single game that josh norman's played ever since being with the panthers but he was that all pro type of corner who you know i mean we remember we remember the he, he's so physical he's so violent you remember that play or that excuse me not even the play the game that he had against Odell Beckham when Odell Beckham was over with the Giants and they were just essentially fighting for the entire game but he was so good in press man he's so smart and knew where to be and he was also athletic so you combine all of those and you create a really good cornerback but, you know, he kind of fell off the past few years. And I think that, uh, you know, bringing him onto this team, it's not like he's going to be that Pro Bowl corner that he once was because it has been a few years. Um, but I do think that uh, I do think that the defensive backs coach, the defense, D'Amico Ryans, uh, the defensive coordinator, I think that they can work with them, And I think it'll be a good spot for him to try and get some playing time because as far as I'm concerned – they don't have a backup corner who can take over a spot for either Jason Verrett or Emmanuel Mosley. Because if one of those guys goes down, Jason Verrett, who has had an injury history last season, playing that first full season that he's played in what, in six years previously, he hadn't. So that was his first full season. It was a great comeback for him, it was a great story to keep an eye on. Emmanuel Mosley has worked his way into that second corner uh, cornerback spot. But if one of those guys gets hurt, then, you know, you could possibly be putting the pressure on D'Amador Lenore or Ambry Thomas. Kwan Williams is your slot corner. I don't know if you can move him to the outside. I don't know how that would work. So bringing in Josh Norman in case one of these other guys goes down is just a good safety net to have. And I really like that signing. But let's get to these predictions, shall we? Now, I got a couple here where they're just straight up, it's coming from them, the actual writer, whereas Cynthia Freeland, she did a projection, kind of like ESPN, and we'll get to both of those in just a second to see where uh, the 49ers land. But as of right now, Peter King, in his... MMQB prediction, annual prediction article. He has the 49ers making the wild card game, playing against Dallas, then getting to the divisional round, playing against Tampa Bay. Then he has Tampa Bay beating San Francisco, and he has the Rams over Green Bay. Then he has the Rams facing Tampa Bay, and he has the Rams moving on to the Super Bowl. To play the Buffalo Bills, and he has the Rams winning it all. So you have that. That's from Peter King. And quite frankly, if we get a Buccaneers versus 49ers NFC Championship game, or excuse me, a divisional game, a playoff game between those two, I think that'd be fascinating. I think that would be. Uh, uh, I think that would be the Tom Brady because I'll assume. Jimmy Garoppolo would be the quarterback if they do end up making the playoffs because the only way they're making that switch, in my opinion, is maybe when the season just is starting to go downhill and it doesn't look like the playoffs are really up there it feels like that's the only way that Kyle Shanahan is going to make the change I don't see him making a change in quarterback if the 49ers are winning games I just don't see that happening because he's always talking about you know the 49ers I need the quarterback who gives me a best chance to win I don't know who that is right now Jimmy's the one who gives us the best chance to win maybe it's Trey maybe he's this maybe he's not I don't know That's Kyle. That's my Kyle Shanahan impression at a press conference. But um, I do think that by the time they get there, it'd probably be Jimmy Garoppolo be the starting quarterback, and if he's going against Tom Brady, it'd be fascinating. I'd 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 enjoy that but that's what Peter King has all right so Peter King has the 49ers making it to the uh, has them making it over to the divisional round then Mike Sando Mike Sando of the Athletic formerly of ESPN he's um he's 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 very well known very well respected And he had an article where he classified the teams into specific tiers. He's not calling them a tier system, but really, that's what it is. It's a tier system for the teams. And he has the Super Six to start out, where he has the six Super Bowl contenders in the league. He has the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Bills, the Seahawks, and the Rams. So, four NFC teams two AFC teams to be Super Bowl contenders. One of those teams is not the 49ers. Then his second tier is called the Furious Four, where he has the Ravens, the Browns, the 49ers, and then the Titans. So he's putting them in that class. He's not putting them in the class with the Seahawks, the Rams, the Bills, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Chiefs. He's not doing it there. So he has the Niners in that second tier of teams, possibly going to the Super Bowl. But look... He also had an article where his executives wrote that they don't see, he doesn't see them making it farther than the Seahawks and the Rams. And that's what he showed in that article. So you have Mike Sandoz saying that. Then you have Mike Clay of ESPN who just puts the 49ers in dead last based on his predictions. But here's where it gets interesting, and these are the these are the ones that I really pay attention to because, after all, those are just one person's predictions, right? Why would we care so much about that? And I'll share my thoughts on all this in just a second. I'm not just spending an entire radio show reading off other people's articles, even though that's what I'm doing. But I do got these actual predictions here from Cynthia Freeland of NFL Network, and then we'll get to ESPNs. But she runs—it's crazy how many she runs here— She ran 300,000 predictions with her model. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how you even do it. But they ran 300,000. (laughs) I mean, 81.6 million simulated games overall. That's crazy. But for the 49ers, out of those projections, they have the third most projected win average in the NFC. The Buccaneers have 125 The Green Bay Packers have ten and a half. Then the 49ers have ten. That's third best in the NFC. So you hear that based off projections. Then ESPN, they do their own projections. Similar thing. They use their little model and they uh, they project 20,000 times how the season is going to go. And how it goes for the 49ers according to them is their projections here. That Trey Lance comes in and starts over Jimmy Garoppolo. By the time Week Twelve or Week Thirteen comes around, gets them four straight wins, and he wins them a wild card berth. That's what they have. They have the Niners going to the divisional round on the shoulders of Trey Lance. So you're hearing these individual, uh, you're hearing these individual predictions, and you could take them for what you will. But then when these models are actually used, and I know a lot of you hate those, I know some of you are probably yelling at your radio right now, you know, just analytical models, what do they know? They don't know anything. But for me, I see that being a much more likely scenario working out than what these other riders have here. I can see the 49ers getting to the the divisional round. But, man... I have no idea how Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play. But I will say this, a lot of this is predicated on the strength of the NFC West. You know, a lot of people are really high on the Seahawks this year. Very high on them. And me, you know, they haven't had that great of an offseason. I understand they got Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but... You know, if Chris Carson isn't able to stay healthy, which he hasn't been, and they're not able to run the football, you know, Russell Wilson becomes a little bit less of a threat. You remember the beginning of last season when they were, you know, going on these win streaks? Well, Chris Carson was a part of that. Then when Chris Carson went down, that's when the offense started to deteriorate, and their defense was still just their defense. And I haven't really seen them uh, do a whole ton to improve, if I'm not mistaken. Whereas on the other side, I know the Rams, look, they got Aaron Donald. What more do I need to say about the defensive line? They got a good secondary with Jalen Ramsey. I understand their running back, their starting running back in Cam Akers is hurt, but Daryl Henderson's a... Pretty damn good backup to have in the starting spot. I actually think that it's going to be a good fantasy pickup, by the way, that Daryl Henderson. So if you haven't had your fantasy draft yet, if you get a chance in the later rounds, pick him up, make him your number two running back. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But they got a good team with... Matt Stafford, and I think Matt Stafford's a damn good quarterback and this new team that he's found with the Rams, he could, he could lead the league in passing yards at the end of the season. That's how much he's going to be throwing the football and that's how good he is at throwing the football. But all of this being said, I see the Rams being way much more of a threat in the NFC West than I do the Seahawks. But it seems like a lot of other people are really high on the Seahawks this year. And I'm... I'm not, really start, I'm not really understanding why. I'm just not. All right. From the, let me see. From the 707, he's my third RB in a 14-team league. You're going to want to change that around 707. Trust me on that. Who's your second RB? Follow up. Who's your second running back in a 14-team league? Then I'll judge based on your team because I'm a fantasy expert. I'm just kidding. I totally had two drafts going on simultaneously, and I forgot I had one of them even going on. It was wild. From the 415, Josh Norman could be Richard Sherman in the role trying to revamp his Pro Bowl career. It's a little bit of a different circumstance for Norman though because, you know, Sherman had at least still showed something over there in Seattle. Josh Norman has just completely fallen off. But from the 6-5-0, I've heard on Fox they said under eight wins and last in the NFC West. Come on, that's terrible. From the 707, at least eleven and six. The West is sacked. So even disrespectfully, I'm taking that light. They just don't know. And from the nine from the nine two five, I want other teams knowing if they don't bring their A game, they're going to get whooped by the Niners. From the five seven four, I want to be an underdog. That's what makes this year's Giants team, the twenty nineteen Niners team, and the We Believe Warriors team all so special. That's from the five seven four. Ah, the seven zero seven. You replied back. You have McCaffrey and Moster. Oh, nice. You got the first pick though, overall in your league. Ah, I had that earlier too. The number one overall pick. I hope you had the number one overall pick because if the person in your league didn't take McCaffrey number one overall, damn. I don't really know what they're doing. But overall, man, that Trey Lance coming in later on in the season because their projections say that the Niners would lose straight to the Vikings, the Seahawks, and then the Bengals from Weeks 12 to 14, and then Trey Lance would start over Jimmy Garoppolo at that point and go for the rest of the season and get you four straight wins and bring you on to the divisional round. But... (laughs) <laughs> that's just, I mean, that one for me, that's the first time where I've really looked at something and I thought, can you imagine if that actually happens? Can you imagine if the 49ers somehow go losing three straight to two of three teams which you should beat? I think if you're looking at the schedule and you're saying, if they're going to lose two of three with the stretch with the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Bengals, how about you choose another set of three games for the uh, for the rest of the season? But that means <laughs> that means that Trey Lance would be beating the Falcons, which is very doable. Then you got the Titans, who tend to pick things up because players are tired, and then they still got Derrick Henry, who's able to just ram through people. Then you got the Houston Texans, which by the time Week 17 comes around, who knows what's going to be happening with their team. And then Week 18, you're going to have the Rams. So they predict that after losing three straight to the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Bengals, (laughs) I can't expect that. Then they'd have Trey Lance coming in and winning the rest of the schedule. Fascinating projections. Fascinating. All right, before we do get to the morning roast with Bonte Hill and Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky, who is back in today, I just got to say, there's something over the weekend that I saw that I can't wait for. And if you've ever listened to this show, and you know how much I like Formula One based off of that documentary Drive to Survive, but supposedly there is going to be a drive-to-survive-type documentary series where they follow around golfers. You know, with these individual sports, it's sometimes hard to keep up with all of these players. So if they do that for golf, I'm expecting the popularity for golf to explode. Can't wait for that one over the weekend. Plus, it looks like, uh, I just saw this picture yesterday, Adam Sandler is filming a movie where he plays a... Sports agent, which is who's on the back end of his career. Then he follows along one player to hopefully bring his career back to prominence. And that player is Juan Hernan Gomez. (laughs) Can't wait for that. (laughs) It's going to be great. All right. Coming up next, the morning roast with Bonte Hill.
0: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact